The Politocrat is brought to you by the great people at Anchor. Anchor is such a great place to go if you want to get started in podcasting. And it's easy and it's free. Anchor, marvelous stuff, marvelous. And I'm so grateful to the folks at Anchor for getting me going with The Politocrat. If you want to get going and be heard on Apple, on Spotify and everywhere podcasts can be, Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to another edition of The Politocrat, a special edition of The Politocrat on this Tuesday, April the 21st, 2020. And that was Prince with Controversy. Today is the fourth commemoration, fourth anniversary, I'd call it commemoration, of this exact date. Because four years ago was a very, very sad day. Prince passed away on this day back in 2016, a day that really struck me and millions of other Prince fans around the world in such disbelief and deep pain at the news that Prince had died. It was just unreal. When I first heard it, I I thought that it was a really awful joke. But then wave after wave after wave of news items came up both online and then on television, that, yes, Prince had indeed died. A very, very sad day. And I don't know how long it took me to really process that information. It may have been a couple of months before I kind of came to terms with the idea that Prince was no longer around on this earth, it just racked me as I'm sure it did you and many other people that you know who were big Prince devotees. I was a huge, and still am, a huge fan of Prince. It didn't always start that way because when I was a lot younger, I actually was much more a Michael Jackson fan than I was a Prince fan, strangely enough, but As the years went on, I really began to appreciate the musicianship of Prince. He was a true genius. He really was ahead of his time. And he wasn't just a singer and songwriter, although he was prolific. He wrote thousands of songs, thousands of songs Prince wrote. And it was his musicianship his ability to just go from the piano to the guitars to... I mean, it was seamless. Prince was one of the greatest entertainers the world has ever seen. And I think one of the greatest artists of all time. I would put him in the top five or ten ever, globally. Because of all of the things that he did in really a relatively short time in in music, in his career when you really think about all that he accomplished 
And he accomplished one heck of a lot uh, of things, a heck of a lot of things. Controversy came out in 1981 in the early 1980s and that was such a great song and that album was a good album too that it came off of. Uh, Prince started out in the late 1970s actually. Um, did a few albums and then they really caught on um, um, later on. Certainly in the late 70s but into the early 80s is where Prince really caught fire. And of course Purple Rain. We all remember Purple Rain. If we are of a certain age, we certainly do. Purple Rain was that album, wasn't it? And of course, it was a movie as well. And the movie was electrifying and incredible. It was one of those films that you would never forget if you saw it on the big screen. And then if you saw it on the small screen, it had some resonance as well. You know, I remember watching that in a nightclub. At least not watching all of it because I wasn't paying that much attention to the screen. But I do remember watching parts of it. You know, there was something comforting, actually, about watching that film for a few minutes at a nightclub. You know, the TVs would have that particular film on. Or at least the music video of certain songs that came up in in that movie and who can forget that? Who can forget Purple Rain? Purple Rain, I think, um, is the the one song that really is the hallmark of Prince's illustrious, eclectic career. Um, I, I can't think of another song that Prince has done that pretty much everybody knows, even if they weren't huge fans of Prince. I can bet for you, I can gather, I could pretty much believe that you all know Purple Rain. And the album is just one of a kind. Absolutely one of a kind. You know, that that album just defined, well, it was an incredible album. It really was. And this was an incredible song from Prince back in the day as well off that album. And it is called When Doves Cry. And man, oh man, the video for this was just unreal. song that was off the album Purple Rain which was really the album was was by Prince and the Revolution Prince was such a selfless person by the way and I look I never knew Prince personally Um, I was fortunate enough to see him in concert no less than five times live in concert in several different cities across the United States and I hope that you got to see him it was just incredible to see him live. The energy, the electricity, the intensity of Prince. 
And also just again, his sense of universality. He was an androgynous figure and he was someone who was a very loving person. And I don't mean in terms of love, in terms of, you know, maybe sex, although he obviously oozed sex appeal. There's no question about that when it comes to Prince. But Prince was a very loving person in the sense that he really embraced people and just was all about universality of humanity and about peace and about love and about justice and about purpose and about being able to connect genuinely and sincerely with the time that we have on this planet, the serious dedication to having meaningful conversations with people, meaningful connections with people, and not this kind of throwaway stuff that didn't mean anything to him. He rarely did interviews, he rarely did them. Toward the end of his life, he did a few more. He did interviews with Arsenio Hall, when Arsenio Hall um, had him on, I think, when he did his show the first time on TV, his late night talk show, which was a huge hit back in the late 80s into the early 90s. And then Arsenio Hall again uh, came back for, I think, for a year or for a few months and had um, either had Prince on again or did a tribute to him or both. And it was great. Actually, he had Prince on. And it was really great to see Prince on there. And Prince was very relaxed and very much comfortable in his element. Prince was someone who just believed in the power of being and the power of connection without all of the BS. He was a very pure soul. And unfortunately, we do not have or we have very few people like that in the world these days who are celebrities or who are people who are prominent leaders, um, be they in politics, be they in some other discipline. But Prince was someone who was so, so much about meaningful connection and, 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 and preaching love and spirit and spirituality in a way uh, and being divine to Humanity. He was someone who really cared about the world. He really cared about people. He really cared about having this world be a more just place. And he was not one of these kinds of people who was big into being seen. He was very much the opposite, even though he, of course, was incredible on stage. Incredible. And I'll talk a bit a bit more about how Prince impacted me and how Prince was someone who was such a dynamic figure. On stage, just incredible. But he was someone who had no time for the gossip, no time for the, for I'm better than this person or they're better than me. He had no time for that at all. Um, I'll never forget this famous story that I'm sure many of you know, when Matt Damon had apparently, the actor Matt Damon, you know who that is, had apparently come into contact with Prince at some kind of function, a nightclub or whatever it might have been, some lounge. And Matt Damon was trying to make small talk with Prince and failed miserably because Prince never did small talk. He never did that kind of thing. You know, he was really about what mattered in the world. Prince only, to me, cared. He didn't care about, like I said, the gossip and the small talk. He really wanted to talk about what mattered in the world and what was important in the world uh, and how that had bearing on everything and uh, what kinds of things needed to be done. That was what he was about. He wasn't, he didn't have time for anything else. He didn't have time for anything that was trivial. And uh, that is, that was just, you can imagine someone who has the, had the incredible layers of creativity that Prince had. He was just someone who was way, as I said earlier, a way, way, way ahead of his time. Someone who I, I think, was a transcendent figure in music. He was too big for music. I mean, Prince transcended music. Uh, I certainly believe that. Somebody who I think, uh, wow, did he ever trans... He absolutely was somebody who couldn't be contained. And the whole Warner Brothers thing, I mean, that was 
One of the things that I thought was just ridiculous, what Warner Brothers did to him, you know, and that was the period of time when he, he wrote the word slave on his face because he was beholden to Warner Brothers. They were trying to make him finish out his contract or something. And he had tried to protect his material. And Warner Brothers was compelling him to release or do more songs. And then he stopped calling himself Prince for a few years. He called himself the artist formerly known as Prince. And he sometimes called himself the artist. And so he would release albums with just the the symbol that he had, the hieroglyph, the symbol that he had, and would not call himself Prince. Wouldn't even answer to Prince, actually. That was a, a, a one of those rougher periods in in his life because uh, you know Prince really didn't have a relationship with Warner Brothers at all because he made it very clear to people that he was being enslaved by them. He really was. I mean, this is something that Prince um, talked about um, a lot and was not happy with it. But um, I think this is a song you'd be happy with. I think you know exactly what this song is as soon as you hear it. Special edition 
of the Politocrat, of course, uh, on this Tuesday, April the 21st, 2020. On this fourth anniversary, or I'd rather say fourth commemoration of, you know, the passing of Prince and, and remembering Prince, really celebrating him. You know, it was four years ago today on this day, the 21st of April 2016, that Prince died. I mean, it was it's just incredibly passed away. And it was such shocking news, as I said earlier. And Prince was somebody um, who left his mark and his impact was felt globally. And when he passed away, there were so many different cross sections of the communities around the world, the demographics that felt his loss. And as I said, he was a universalist. I said this earlier. He believed in the universality of humanity and he believed in the purity of love and how it could touch everybody. He believed in radiating that and he radiated that through his music, through his musicianship. And so many different cross sections of the world felt his loss so deeply four years ago on this day. You had a lot of black people who were huge fans of his. You had a lot of white people that were huge fans of his. You had a lot of people in Asia, in the Asian uh, continent of Asia who felt him and who felt his loss deeply. You had people all over the globe who really worshipped Prince and loved Prince as a person and, of course, adored his music and his musicianship. Prince was someone who was very, very uh, influential. And he was definitely influenced by uh, people the likes of Jackie Wilson and, of course, James Brown, who he certainly is um, a, a, lot, a lot like in a lot of the way he modeled himself. Little Richard as well. Um, Chuck Berry. Screaming Jay Hawkins. These are just some of the people who impacted Prince and influenced Prince greatly. And you could tell in the way that Prince conducted himself on stage, just a staggering stage presence, staggering, um, was someone who was phenomenal, phenomenal. And I remember, and plus also Jimi Hendrix, I can't forget Jimi Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix certainly is a huge influence as well on, was a huge influence as well on Prince. I mean, Prince was the second greatest guitarist ever, in my view, and a distant second at that to the greatest guitarist ever, Jimi Hendrix. I mean, case closed. Jimi Hendrix was the one, the trendsetter, the pioneer, the person who, although I know Sister Rosetta Thorpe way back in the 1930s and 40s, maybe even back in the 20s, was one was the grand architect of guitar playing and electric guitar, Sister Rosetta Thorpe. You should go and look that name up. She certainly was the grand architect of it all, where it all started. But uh, in terms of influence, Prince was influenced more directly by Jimi Hendrix. Just incredible stuff. Jimi Hendrix definitely uh, was a blueprint for Prince. Prince, again, he, he touched everybody. He touched so many people. And that loss felt so deeply by so many. He, his reach was boundless. And that speaks to the universality of Prince, the musician and the man and the human being that he was. Someone who really did believe in the equality and justice of women and for women. He was very much committed to that. He collaborated with women more often than he did with, with men. If you look at the track record for Prince, vastly more women. He believed in seeding uh, uh, the stage to them. Certainly Sheila E. Um, benefited tremendously from Prince. Prince would absolutely feature Sheila E. on his tours, in his group, and Sheila E. began to just flourish. I mean, not that she didn't flourish on her own. She certainly did flourish on her own even before Prince. But Prince gave her a stage where she commanded it and then really took off in huge ways and then really soared on her own and really platformed by Prince. Prince was someone who did the same for Vanity, 
they did, and he had a, I think he, certainly they were a love interest. Apollonia as well, Maite Garcia, and um, he married Maite Garcia, and unfortunately he had a tragedy in their family, and she had a miscarriage, um, and things went really rough for both of them. Um, but Prince was someone who was a, a big proponent of women. Very, very steadfast about that. That's one of the things I really loved about Prince, that he um, had women in his bands for the majority of his bands were predominantly women. He teamed up with Third Eye Girl. That was one of his bands, I think, or a protege band of his. Um, and they flourished toward the end of his life. He, you know, he really did um, give the stage over to women. He made an appearance on Saturday Night Live several years ago. And there, I think Third Third Eye Girl, I think is the name of the group, if I didn't say that before, Third Eye Girl, not Third Eye Blind, Third Eye Girl, I think is the name of the group that he, you know, he kind of promoted and built up and, and, and they had the stage. And, and I loved how Prince, you know, would cede the stage to them and be part of the background, which I, I love. And that's a tribute also to Prince's generosity. He was a very generous soul um, behind the scenes um, and on stage, uh, particularly when it came to other musicians that he would play with. And again, he launched and influenced and you know, launched and supported and promoted all women bands, all female bands. And did that throughout his career, throughout his career. And so that's something that doesn't get talked about as much as I think it should. Prince was someone who absolutely promoted women. And that's one of the big reasons I really loved the guy. Because, you know, the women that he promoted were doing their own thing. And so often you see women as background singers and they're very important though don't get me wrong I mean, there have been documentaries like 20 feet from stardom with people like lisa fisher who is a great artist in her own right um today and has been for a number of years as well and so backup singers are very important don't get me wrong um, they are the backbone quite frankly of a lot of these bands a lot of these groups particularly um, of some of the white artists out here and, and some black ones as well, but some of the white music artists, David Bowie, uh, I think can credit a lot of a uh, part of his career, a good chunk of his career from what the early 1980s, maybe late seventies, early 1980s onwards to, um, having women, you know, as backup singers in his group, black women specifically, and so, and so can the Rolling Stones to a degree as well. I mean, they, they certainly can as well. And Prince knew all about that. Prince didn't just have backup singers. He had, as I said, leaders, <laughs> you know, he had female leaders. He had leaders. And that's what, again, I, I can't praise that enough. And I hope, and I want to see more of that today. And I don't know that I see that more. Um, there are, of course, women who do excellent jobs on their own without having someone have to promote them who is male. Uh, of course, we see so many great artists today, Lizzo and Billie Eilish and, you know, these, some of the newcomers, yeah, and then some of the other people that we know, like Taylor Swift and Alicia Keys and Adele and Beyonce, of course, and uh, Lady Gaga, you know, the, the newer names, uh, the, you know, India Re, and, you know, um, you know, Fantasia, Desiree, Jennifer Hudson. Right, there's been a whole legacy. And even before Prince, of course, with greats like Billie Holiday and Ella Fitzgerald and, you know, Marianne Anderson. I mean, I can go on and Bessie Smith. I can go on and on and on, right? So the women have always been the bedrock in music and of music and have led in it. One of the things I'm just pointing out about Prince is just how incredibly generous he truly was.
Prince with Three Chains of Gold. What a fantastic tune that that is. And that's from that album that he did um, a good few years ago now with the hieroglyph on it. And that was the title of the album. <laughs> you know the one I'm talking about. The one that has, of course, that track, Three Chains of Gold on it, Three Chains of Gold. And uh, stuff like My Name is Prince is on there. Sexy MF is on there. You you know the album I'm talking about. Prince fans everywhere know that album. It's a fantastic album of, of, of the God knows what, 100 albums he did, if not more. I mean, he did so many albums, stuff that he released years later after his, you know, the, his estate released years later. A lot of material. I mean, thousands and thousands of songs that he's never released. Uh, it's just phenomenal. People forget that, some people forget that Prince was a phenomenal songwriter. I've told you about how great, and you know this as Prince fans out there, his musicianship was incredible, impeccable. And his songwriting is just staggering, was staggering. He would churn out songs. And he would churn out albums in his head. I mean, Prince was that level genius. It was as if the world didn't deserve this, this man, <laughs> you know? He was so far ahead of his time. He was too precious for this world. I, I'm being really frank about that. He was appreciated, but, and loved greatly. But I don't know if the world truly understood the genius of this man. I think some people did. I think a great number of his fans obviously did. I among them. But I don't know that the world in general did. I think that the world in general somehow mocked him. I don't know why. Maybe because they were uncomfortable with Prince for whatever reason. There was something that he made them feel uncomfortable about or they looked at him and they felt uncomfortable. I've heard this. I don't know if they were uncomfortable because his androgyny for them pointed to something in themselves that they weren't reconciling with or were deeply uncomfortable with themselves. I don't know if that was an issue of gender or sexuality or whatever it might have been, but I do sense that there were people out there who mocked him, and I think perhaps some of the predicate for that was their own insecurities. Why would you mock a genius like Prince? All he ever did was good things. I never heard a bad word spoken about Prince. He was a very selfless human being. And like I say, I can only tell you that judging from what I observed of him, certainly what I saw of him on stage. You know, I've got a story for you about him. When he played at Radio City Music Hall in the 90s, I think it was, in New York City. And I was lucky enough to see him. And this was the second or third time I had got to see him live in concert. I had a darn, I was with a friend. She and I, we had damn good seats. I mean, my God, I had a darn good seat. It must have been about 10 rows from the front, which is a pretty darn good seat if you're at Radio City Music Hall to see Prince. And he worked that stage like nobody. And that's a pretty darn big stage there at Radio City Music Hall. And wow, the light show was great. His outfits were tremendous. He was yay tall. I know you can't see me put my hand up, but he was yay tall. Very, very small. Very, very small. Must have been about five foot. I don't know what. Or, you know, but he was small. And sleek and lean. And this guy was dynamic. Oozing sex appeal for days. 
and he had this guitar and he was playing this guitar he had this this phallic shape to it and he made the most of that as he as he was wont to do and he is just totally in control and command and confident there was a sexiness about this man there was a confidence about this man there was an absolute i've got this about that man and you can see how that's appealing you know as a straight man I can see how that's appealing because it was. He had confidence, but he had more than that. He had brilliance. He had excellence. He had genius, creativity. He had it all, Prince. He had it all. And he shared that stage. He dominated that stage. He shared it. He dominated, shared it. He had this relationship with the audience. I'll never forget that night. He would play with the audience. He would tease the audience. He would make love to that audience. Seriously. Some people would say that, you know, he wasn't making love. <laughs> you know, there are people who listen to these episodes who uh, may not like cursing. Um, so I would curse, but you know what I'm talking about, that he was doing that to the audience. <laughs> you you get what I'm saying. Prince was in total command. And when he was on stage, it was like he had, he was doing that to the audience. And there were, you know, I, I, I kind of think back and I look back at Tom Jones, who still um, performs on stage as well. And I've seen him live. And not since Tom Jones, in terms of an individual performer and Michael Jackson, has there been this, really wild reaction from women to a man, a man on stage. There's Tom Jones and, and Teddy Pendergrass as well. Can't forget him. Tom, I'm not talking about the, I'm talking about a solo act, solo artist. Tom Jones, Michael Jackson, Teddy Pendergrass and Prince. Now, I'm sure for those of you out there, uh, if you can think of another artist, I'm talking specifically male artists, not female artists, that, women reacted so vigorously and so viscerally to in a really physical way. Let me know. <laughs> Let me know at my Twitter handle, at the popcorn, R-E-E-L. Tweet that to me. I can't think of any other than those four who got this really powerful react reaction from women and had this magnetism over them. I think each of those four people that, that I am referring to had this magnetism. Michael Jackson in a different kind of way. But the other three had this sex appeal that women who had gone to those concerts just were, oh, you know, they, they knew exactly what was going on <laughs> and they felt exactly what was going on for sure. I mean, phew, it was really powerful stuff. And something that you really could not ignore if you were there. I mean, that concert that night was incredible. One other thing about that concert that that I just go wow at is there was a rumor going around toward the end of that concert that Prince was going to be playing another gig somewhere. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, he's been on stage. He's been on stage now for over two hours. And I heard people behind me and the person I was with, my friend at the time was, we were sitting there, we heard these whispers that he's going to be at some place on 48th Street and 9th Avenue or something. And, you know, in Hell's Kitchen in New York City, somewhere around there. And we we're like, what? So we went down to see after the concert and we waited and waited it must have we must have waited over an hour at this little venue someplace it was like a hole in the wall practically you know it was probably could fit about 300 people in it or less and after about an hour and 15 minutes of waiting none other than prince walked in he walked in got on a table, a small little itty bitty round table because there was a load of people packed in there. They got this advanced word. And it was incredible. He got up on the table. He had a guitar. 
He was dancing on the table and he was playing these tunes for another hour. Just a gig unannounced. I mean, although people obviously had gotten wind of it. But it was just incredible. Whoa, I really love that. I mean, for me, for me, that was better than the concert itself. And the concert was damn good. with Erotic City, one of the great tunes. That was off the Black Album, I seem to remember. And uh, Prince was someone who was a really good controller of his, of his image and the rights to his music. For a long time, he would not allow Apple and iTunes to have any of his content on. And that changed a little bit after he passed away and his estate tried to do uh, do a rap on that but um you know things happen and apple have a lot of his records is the best i know on there in fact you wouldn't be able you weren't for a long time able to find any of his music videos on youtube either he was very very strict uh about controlling where his image and likeness were seen and that extended to YouTube. You couldn't find for many a year, you could not find videos of Prince on YouTube at all. And finally now, uh, at least for the last few years, his estate has released a number of videos that he did. And one of the, you know, for pretty much all of his songs, a lot of his songs, anyway, not all of them. But one of the things about Prince that people don't realize is that he did a lot of short form films as well. He did a load of short form films. He was not someone who shied away from that. You know, Michael Jackson often gets credited with really starting that short film format for music videos. And he rightly so should get that credit. But also, Prince was doing that as well with a number of videos. Of course, Purple Rain was one of them. Obviously, the song Cream, which actually, if you go look up that video on YouTube... That cream video is actually nine hour, nine hours, <laughs> nine minutes and 15 seconds or so. And more than half of that short film video is not about the song at all. It's this little adventure that Prince and his companions get into. And so that takes up more than half the video, the first half plus of the video before we get to the song. So Prince definitely did a number of um, short form videos that I think were really good, very effective. He made use of that. Prince was a very good actor. And uh, yes, I know he had a film career as well. I think he directed a film too. He did, Under the Cherry Moon, which I never actually saw. I know people have had some mixed reviews on it, as did they on Graffiti Bridge, a movie that was not very good at all. That might have been the worst film he did. But he also did Purple Rain, which was his earliest film. And Purple Rain was damn good. Um, for sure. So I, I, I can tell you that. <laughs> you know, um, Purple Rain was a terrific film. And I think Prince would have gone on to be a really great actor had he had the chance. You know, there were interviews that he did. He always wanted to play Batman. And the song Bat Dance, which he did, of course, the soundtrack for 
the Batman movie, the first Batman movie that was done in 1989 by Tim Burton that starred Jack Nicholson as the Joker and Michael Keaton. Prince always wanted to play Batman. Michael Keaton did, of course. Um, but he, in his Bat Dance video, he played uh, the Joker. It was really great stuff. And this is a song that I really loved. It was actually the video directed by Spike Lee, who was a really good friend of Prince's. And the new power generation with money don't matter tonight. Uh, that video, you can find that on YouTube. A good video, too. It mixes Prince uh, and the new power generation singing with images from the 1980s and 90s. Uh, Prince did a lot of social commentary, by the way. That again, that music video was directed by Spike Lee, who, by the way, utilized Prince for his film Girl 6 back in 1996 where Prince did the whole soundtrack for the entire soundtrack for that film. So Prince doing the job for Spike Lee in 1996 with Girl 6, Spike Lee's movie. And Prince did a, a complete soundtrack for that film. So Prince was very much a social commentary person as well. He was not somebody who was reticent to deal with that. Of course, in songs like Sign of the Times, as well as Money Don't Matter Tonight, but in songs like Sign of the Times, which was an incredible groundbreaking album by him, um, a double album by him that had some great tracks on it, some great love tunes and ballads like Adore and so many other great things, so many other great tunes. Um, incredible stuff on, on that album. And I'm trying to hope I don't get this wrong. Maybe Insatiable was on that album as well. Not 100% sure. For those Prince fans who know for sure, let me know on Twitter at the Popcorn R-E-E-L. But I could have sworn that Insatiable was on that album. I don't know that it was on the... Was it on the Emancipation album? The three-disc album that he did. He did a three-disc album. That was an incredible album too. That was during the, I think, the slave period. Um, or maybe just after. No, actually, it was after. Emancipation was the album that came as he celebrated his escape from the, as he called them, the slave masters at Warner Brothers. So, yeah, that was the first album, I think, after. Um, Insatiable may well have been on the in Emancipation album, or it could have been on the Sign of the Times album. I don't remember, but Sign of the Times was a song and an album that had social messages. One of them, of course, was the sign of the times talking about HIV AIDS. In France, a skinny man died with a big disease with a little name. Still words to that effect. So Prince was never one to ignore social commentary or avoid talking about Topics that were important. And he did once again back in the, uh, I think it was around 2013 or 14. He uh, did a song on behalf of, and I think you may know this song very well, that he did um, on behalf of Freddie Gray and to raise money for him and 
Prince spoke out very much against police brutality um, and through his songs. And Baltimore was one of the songs he did uh, on Freddie Gray mentioned him. And of course, Prince did some other songs for Spike Lee in Spike Lee's film Bamboozle, did a song called 2045 Radical Man that was very much social commentary as well. So Prince, certainly no stranger to doing that. He did a terrific song back in, I think, the uh, I think 2013 or 14 um, on Freddie Gray. You remember in 2015, rather, Freddie Gray uh, was killed by the police, you know, severed spinal cord. Um, the police did that to him, you know. There's no question about it. And here is Aaron Allen Kane on the vocals and Prince with Baltimore. Nobody got in nobody's way. So I guess you could say it was a good day. At least a little better than the day in Baltimore. Does anybody hear us pray for Michael Brown or Freddie Gray? This is more than the absence of war. Excellent stuff from Prince. He did a concert, by the way, in that year, 2015. In May of that year, May 10th, 2015, it was a live concert in Baltimore, um, singing that song and several others from a new album that he had released. And it was done through Tidal. And that concert was playing, I think, on audio and video through Tidal, which was which is Jay-Z's music service. And it was a really good moment for Prince, you know, and sadly, less than a year later, he would no longer be with us. Baltimore was, I think, one of the crowning achievements among many great crowning achievements in Prince's career. Baltimore was uh, not not just a song. It was an anthem and it was iconic. It was obviously as well Michael Brown to commemorate and remember him as well. You know, and later on, there of course, there would be, soon after, there would be uh, Eric Garner and so many other black men and women who were killed by police, unarmed in all of these cases. So Prince found another gear politically yet again. And that was part of his whole career, politics, you know, through his music, activism, through his music. You know, he was not somebody who was just about the music. He was about the message, and he was the message in a number of instances. And Baltimore was a beautiful tune, beautiful tune, and some a tune that I will never forget, for sure. And I just adored that song. So that was Baltimore featuring uh, Aaron Allen Kane on the vocal as well with that um, fantastic uh, rendition um, well, it's, it's his song, but it's it's just terrific stuff. It really is. So Prince, you know, again, you know, he's somebody who just um, wanted to do the really great things. And by the way, another person that influenced Prince was George Clinton, Parliament Funkadelic. You know, I can't forget, I can't forget, can't forget George Clinton. George Clinton had a huge influence as well on Prince you know there's so many people you know Prince collaborated with so many people he did work with Madonna he did work with all kinds of people over the years um you know Morris Day and the Time of course who featured in Purple Rain Prince did a lot of things with them you know 
Prince was just otherworldly. I, I shouldn't say otherworldly, but he was, like I said, he was somebody I think was quite frankly too good for this world. You know, he was too pure for this world. Um, you know, it, it's just incredible to think that, but I think it's really true about him. There's so many records that I could play. Um, you know, Little Red Corvette is a really good one. Um, you know, I'm just thinking about some of the songs that, um, you know, that really people loved. Let's Go Crazy, another huge one off the Purple Rain album. I Could Never Take the Place of Your Man. That's a song I really love. I love that one off the Sign of the Times double album. That's one of my favorites of his. You know, there's so many. I Wish You Heaven off the Love Sexy album. What was so great about the Love Sexy album, it played kind of like an eight track in a way because there was only one track on that CD. And that one track was all, I guess, 10 or nine of those songs bleeding into one. So you really couldn't skip it. You really couldn't, I mean, you could fast forward it if you wanted to, to try to get to the next song that you wanted to hear. But there wasn't any chapter stop, stop or song stop. So you couldn't just press the advanced track button because it was all one track. Albums of the phenomenal. Alphabet Street was on that album, of course. I Wish You Heaven, which is my favorite track off that album. Love Sexy was on that album. That's the title of the album, Glam Slam. That was a great tune as well. When Two Are In Love, another terrific one. And Positivity. There's a lot of good ones on there. And I like I like that album a lot. Love Sexy is not one that's celebrated as much. You know, that was the one that some people made a huge, big stir out of. The fact that he was naked on the front cover. And it was just his naked body. You couldn't see his genitalia or anything. It's not like he was parading his genitalia around for the world to see or anything. He He, he was discreetly posed and he was completely naked. And there were people out there in the general public, in the media or wherever who just lost it. <laughs> How dare he do that? It's disrespectful and, oh gosh, get over yourselves, please. Oh dear. But that album was one I had a particular fondness for because of the style in which the album was presented and because of some of those great tracks like I Wish You Heaven. I thought that was beautiful, that tune. It's one of those tunes that I really, really, really love. In fact, I love it so much <laughs> that I really I can't... I, you know, <laughs> I have to play it. I have to play it. I have to play it. Come on. I, I have to play that tune uh, from Prince. Just a beat, a portion of it. It's, again, from that Love Sexy album that, um, again, doesn't get the kind of attention that I think it should. I think it's terrific. Prince has done so many great tunes, of course. He did You Got the Look with Sheena Easton. Um, he, you know, he did Thieves in the Temple, which is a great tune as well. He played with Tom Petty and Steve Winwood and Jeff Lynne and many others of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And he got inducted into that. Prince, just terrific. And here is part of I Wish You Heaven.
I Wish You Heaven from Prince. What a lovely tune that is. And the video for that is sublime. Go check that out on YouTube as well. I mean, there's so many others, Diamond and Pearls, off that album by Prince and the New Power Generation. I mean, there's so many, you know, there's so many other songs and albums that I haven't mentioned that I'm sure you have in mind. Um, that I could play. And I would be here for days playing Prince. I really would be here for days playing some of the really great stuff that he's done and and, and the lesser known stuff as well. And there's a lot of lesser known albums and tracks that Prince has recorded uh, that that I haven't even scratched the surface of. I mean, it's just, you know, it's just phenomenal what Prince accomplished. And still in a relatively short time, I mean, he was 57 um, and he was not one to give his age out. Uh, he was he was believed to be 57 at the time that he died. And Prince is just someone that, whoa, you know, I even forgot 1999, you know, it's just, you know, another great tune that some people would find to be the obvious one. You know, why don't you play that one? Why didn't you? I mean, there's so many great tunes from Prince and you couldn't be blamed for not remembering some of them. Again, Prince was a genius. And one of the great performances that he did toward the end of his life was during the Super Bowl halftime, I don't remember which Super Bowl it was, but I do remember his performance. Super Bowl half times were not that great and never had been that great, quite frankly. There were some exceptions and have been some exceptions, but wow, that year that Prince did sing Purple Rain and it was raining and he did that in the rain outdoors. What a freaking performance that was. And that was iconic. And it's been played so many times. You can go on YouTube and look at that. It was fantastic stuff. And iconic performance. One that will live in the memory for a long, long time. I'm telling you, he... Whoa. Well, this is the last one. And you know what this is going to be.
Wow, Purple Rain from the master, the legend, the genius Prince. Wow, you've got to watch that movie. And definitely, if you don't have a copy of Purple Rain, the album, you'd better get one. Oh my gosh. Purple Rain, Prince and the Revolution. Um, that was the way that the album was, was uh, attributed. And they did play a role, believe me, the Revolution band. So Purple Rain, my goodness me, I, I could play more and more and more of Prince. And I just want to just close by saying, Prince, um, I miss you. The world misses you. And now we miss you more than ever. Four years on. And in this day. And in this age. We really do miss you. The world misses you. The world loves you. The world needs you. But you do love us. And you have left us with the music, with your talent, with your skill, with your ingenuity, with your love. Thank you so much for everything that you have done to make this world better, to spark our consciences, and to inspire and champion love within us and for each other. Rest in power, Prince. Thank you very much for listening to this special edition of The Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore.